0: I was sharing this story with a few of our people a couple weeks ago, but this little boy, he was in a third grade elementary school class, and the teacher was trying to teach them a new word, a new vocabulary word, and so she asked the class, how many of you know what the word procrastination means? And no one raised their hand, and this little boy named Billy was thinking about his experience at church and always heard these big words ending with T-I-O-N, you know, justification, sanctification, glorification. And so he raised his hand and said... Well, I don't know what procrastination means, but I'm sure my church believes in it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've all had that experience at times where we uh, know what to do. That's not the problem. The issue is whether we're going to actually do it. Well, Paul, as he writes this letter that we're going to be looking at this morning, this was a letter that he needed to write. And maybe you've had that experience where you better make that telephone call, better write that letter, and, and you know you just need to do it, but keep putting it off. And the reason that Paul needed to write this letter because somehow he was put in the drama of relationships and that he needed to, to make sure not only his relationships were right, but also the one that somehow he got uh, placed into that had a little bit of a drama involved in it. We're going to do a couple things that's a little bit out of the norm we have on a, on a Sunday morning worship service. And one is, is we're going to do what some churches do. In the honor of God's word, maybe you've been in settings like that, Well, when they have a public reading of the scripture, they'll ask the people to stand to honor God's word. Now, if you don't feel like standing because you're tired or health issues, that's fine as well. But if you will, let's stand for the public reading of God's word. And this morning, we're going to read an entire book in the Bible. Uh, so uh, don't get nervous. It's only one page long as, uh, as I read the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Athea, Archippus, and our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgment of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged. And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me and my chains for the gospel." But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord." If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, uh, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord." Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. You may be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Maybe you've had experience where that is a, a normal practice, which is a great experience, of honoring God's word by rising uh, in the reading of it. But I thought it would be helpful on this particular day because even as a number of you were kind of uh, laughing at the, the goal of reading an entire letter uh, on a Sunday morning, this was a doable letter because it's, it's more like a postcard. And in it it gives you the whole backdrop of the of the message. And I know sometimes when I hear people read, I don't always kind of follow the reading. But to, just to give you the simple story, then we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna race for the message a little bit. But basically the story is Paul finds himself in prison, which is not an unusual experience. And he thinks back of all the people he knew and loved, and one of them was Philemon, who actually was a either a pastor or a lay pastor in a church, because the church was found in his house, in his home. And as he writes to him, he has fond affection to him. But but as he gives him a challenge, he then speaks about someone they knew in common, and that was a man named Onesimus. And Onesimus was a man who had been a slave under Philemon, had run away from Philemon, possibly had taken money from him, and now had landed in Paul's doorstep in Rome. Now, we don't know how that happened. Maybe as Onesimus was running from Philemon, and he was experiencing freedom, at least in the flesh, as long as he was not diagnosed as a runaway slave, but got any kind of job he could, and it was helping those who were in prison, and he was under the employ, at least to a certain degree, of the military there. Well, what happens there is that Paul strikes up a relationship. Here's a man in chains from a man who might have been like in chains as as a slave and the one who is now in chains set the one who is not in chains free because he presents the message of Christ and and as Paul says says, he, he begets a son but now there's a problem because Onesimus is a runaway slave that had stolen money from a a friend of Paul's who is a believer, and so there's an issue of forgiveness. And though the word is not used in this particular postcard written by Paul, Paul sends him back to Philemon, appealing to him, not commanding him, though he could, appealing to him to forgive him as he has been forgiven. And in case retribution needed to happen, he said, just just, just know that I will repay And even though I'm not going to mention it, I will mention to it, you've got a pretty big tab already on my account. And then he sends him a greeting, and the appeal to forgive and to love a new brother in Christ is given not only to Philemon, and it's all right to read the mail because Paul said, go ahead and read this letter to the whole church in your home, and then that letter was circulated to others, and even today we read the letter written to Philemon, an appeal to God's people to live out their faith. So that is the backdrop. I told you the whole story. Let's pray and then let's pick out a few nuggets in this letter. Let's pray. I pray as we share this morning that particularly you might allow me to be wise in the use of our time as we just see the things that are in this letter and that you might penetrate our hearts for us to not only hear the challenge and the appeal to Philemon, but the challenge and appeal to our lives as well. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, this is a challenge given to an individual that had a wider scope of spiritual emphasis. Because as we think about the issues that Philemon was wrestling with is the same issues that we wrestle with. And it begins as Paul gives a word of thanks to him as he sees his faith and his love for Christ and for God's people But then he just kind of throws this in. And this is the first thing I want to look at. The challenge to be effective in your faith. To be effective in your faith. Now, for most of us, we would say that we have faith. In fact, actually around the world, uh, except for those who kind of deny deny the truth, everyone believes. It's just a matter of what you believe in. And not only it's an issue of what you believe in or on or whom, but it's also just how effective is that faith? Does it make any difference? And that's a challenge for people who consider themselves followers of Christ. You know, I believe in Jesus. Well, is it doing anything for you? Well, if I was honest, not a whole lot. And that's what he's saying to Philemon. I want your faith not just to be a name only. I want it to be effective. So he says in Philippians, Philippians, Philemon, one four through six. These words. I thank my God, making mention you always in my prayers, hearing of your love. And faith, and then he says this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective, and then he tells how, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He says, I want your faith to be effective. It's an interesting word in the original language, the word effective. It comes from a word from which we get energy. And he said, I, I want your faith to be energized. Now, if we were to summarize the different ways we came in um, to this uh, worship center this morning we could probably put it in one of two ways you came in either tired or full of energy now we won't ask that in terms on a physical issue but some of you maybe had a long week or just a, or a short night last night and you came in kind of tired and yeah, you're doing your best to stay awake to hear this boring preacher preach all right but whether you're physically tired or not, what he doesn't want us to be is to be spiritually tired. He wants our, our faith to be energized. I, I just pray in the sharing of your faith that it might become effective, that it might be energized. But we've all been in that place where we're tired and say, so, Well, okay, I'm tired. Well, how am I supposed to be untired? Well, physically, you, you take a nap, you you get some, you change maybe your your schedule, or you get some helpful exercise, you start eating right, and hopefully, physically, you'll start feeling better. Well, how do you start feeling better spiritually? Well, Paul puts it very plain to Philemon. This is the key. It's by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in Christ Jesus. Now, it's interesting, when I, when I said this in the first service, I was wondering how many people could fill in the blank, but they really all had. I wasn't really totally, totally surprised. But we have a hymn of the faith, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Now, we have probably sung or heard that many, many, many times. But the issue is not singing it, but doing it. As we get tired spiritually, then we we need to look back at our relationship with God and what has God done for me? What is it that that is good that is in Christ Jesus? And when we forget to do that, then we will not have a faith that's energized because it will be running on tired old batteries. Those batteries need to be energized by a refreshing remembrance of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And I'm sure of the reason Paul began this way because he was going to challenge him to do something that maybe Philemon naturally did not want to do. Now, there are a lot of ways you can look at thanking God and praising God for every good thing in Christ Jesus. You could could take some key chapters, like Ephesians chapter 1 gives a whole litany of things that God has done. Paul in Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 begins with that that familiar statement, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. As I began, I'll share some of these, uh, reflecting on those things. It, It really becomes even more powerful when I think of, well, what if I didn't have that? What if I didn't have any spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? There are many times we can look on a natural level and say, well, you know, I don't think I'm that blessed. You know, I'm not, I'm not that smart. You know, I don't have that many financial resources. I'm not that physically gifted. I'm not musically gifted. And you go down the list of things, and if you, if you begin to kind of convince yourself as woe is me and poor is me, then your life is just, like, distraught. Well, when we think about our relationship with God, we need to recognize that we have every spiritual blessing. We have not been sold short by God in giving us what we need to be spiritually alive. But, but Paul, in Ephesians 1, after he gives us that general statement, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, he then goes on and, and lists some things. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, You are chosen by God. And again, just think about not being chosen. You know, they have an odd number out on the playground and there's only so many people going to play and you were the odd man out and every else team was on, but no one wanted you. But that's not true of God. He chose you. And then he goes on he says that in 1 verse 5, he says that you are adopted in the family. When you're feeling all alone, you need to recognize that, that God has, has brought you into that forever family who will love and care for you. And then he goes on and says that we are accepted in the beloved you ever been in a room where you just wondered if you were really accepted by the people that you kind of just walked into? Maybe you felt, I don't know if I'm dressed right. Or, or, or maybe they just know all the, all the stories and I don't know any of the stories. Or, or, or maybe they just they think I'm, I'm not you know, worthy of them or whatever it might be. Um, or maybe they think I just sound funny. The, the New Zealander boys are, are living in our home. And if you picked up, if you've talked to them, they've got a little bit of an accent. They say words a little bit differently. I, I, was, I was kidding one of them. I was, I was on Facebook this week, and they were, one of them was sending a Facebook message back to some of their friends in New Zealand. And this is what they said. They really talk funny here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you knew the story, I had just spent like an hour trying to pronounce one of their names, Sean you have to, it's not Sean, it's Sean, and I'm probably not even saying it right, and so we spent an hour trying to train my ear and my tongue to say it right, and so then they sent back this, man, this pastor, he can't even say our names right, you know, and whatever it might be, you just, you just feel like you're out of sync with the people around you, but when we get to heaven, we are accepted, we're accepted right now in the beloved, he goes on and on and on, he says that we are redeemed, he says we are forgiven, and when you think about forgiveness, that there is no greater privilege than to to recognize before God as we are guilty in his sight because of our sin, that he has sent our sin away from him. I was killing, kidding, Brandon, who gives the announcements in the first service and gets rather creative with the announcements. And, and you know, sometimes I look at Brandon, who also used to live in our house as well, but, <laughs> uh, and I, I was kidding him. I said, you know, when I think of Brandon, you know, I think of this... this um, Sign that I saw on a subway, and if you've ever been in subways in different places and cities, and they have all these wild signs. Was one sign I'll never forget, and this is the sign. It says, "You don't have to suffer from mental illness to be mentally ill." <laughs> I said, "Brandon, that describes you right now." You know, you know and, and when you think about, there is physical reasons for mental illness, but a lot of people that are struggling with mental um, peace is because they're overladen and burdened with guilt. And see, the blessing of God is that though we are guilty, He deals with that guilt on the cross. And we go on and on. Just from one chapter, Ephesians, He talks about where they were sealed by the Holy Spirit, that we have a, as a guarantee, we have a rich inheritance, that we are, are given His mighty power. And so if we want our faith to be energized, then we need to recognize that it comes from acknowledging all the good things we have in Christ. When you count your blessings one by one, then your faith will become effective. Now Paul turns and begins to kind of get in the the nitty-gritty of the story, and he tells about how he connected with this person he's going to be writing about and then sending to Philemon, this man named Onesimus. But in it, I want to make this major point, and it relates to what we're going to be doing later on in the service. Not only are we appealed to by Paul through his written letter to Philemon to be effective in our faith, but we're also called to be bold in our oikos. Look at Philemon 1, verses 10-11. He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Actually, in there, it's kind of creative how Paul writes this because he's actually using a play on words. The word Onesimus means useful, but when he ran away from Onesimus, he became useless, and now he wants to send him back to be useful again, or to take the language of King James. He was profitable, became unprofitable, now I want to send him back to you to be profitable again. But what he does, he tells them now where, what is the spiritual standing of Onesimus. Remember earlier in the text, as we were reading through it, Paul described himself not only as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, but he was an aged one. Remember that? And I was wondering, when do you become aged? I mean, I know you get a card, an ARP card at certain times sent to your home, you know, if you're a certain age. But when do you become aged? Well, Paul now saw him rather mature in the faith. He said, now I'm writing to you who is a little bit younger in the faith. And I'm writing to you about a man who was useless to you, but I want him to be useful. But the reason he can now be useful is because he encountered me. Not in a braggadocious way, but I want you to know that this man is now my son. Now, we already know he is aged, so he couldn't have been his birth father, right? He was begotten. But it wasn't a physical birth, it was a what? spiritual birth and somehow we don't know how it happened but Onesimus became part of Paul's oikos somehow they began to relate to each other and Paul could ignore this man who was coming to maybe bring food to the home he was in house arrest or to to do the cleaning that was in that building or whatever might be but he chose to get to know him known by name and then to hear his story But even more so, he was eager to share God's story. And within that unusual relationship that was just begun because Paul began to see him, to pray for him, care about him, and then speak to him, Onesima had a new birth. Not a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. And for Paul to invest his time, and we know Paul was a busy man even in prison because he was preaching to all the guards that came in. He was writing letters to people. He was having people come in, and he was teaching them, discipling them. But he chose to spend time with Onesimus because even though Onesimus looked like a person who would not change, maybe even could not change, but by God's grace, he did change. And so as we make an appeal to God's people, not only do we see we need to be effective or energized in our faith by remembering how good Jesus is to us, But remembering that he's left us here for a purpose, and that is to to reach out to our oikos. Remember that card that that we identified in the beginning of the message? Each of us needs to have a a group of people that we're praying for, to to identify these are the people we need to reach out to. And if you haven't put names on that card, I invite you to do that, because later on the service, we're going to do something with that. Paul looked out, and the people that became his friends were the people that he wanted to spread the gospel to, and and he had the privilege at times to be the spiritual father of those who didn't know Christ. Real quickly, a couple other things to finish off this letter. As we think about the appeal of Paul to To Philemon, and God's people, not only to be effective in your faith, to be bold in your your oikos. Number three, be convinced that God has a plan. Look at Philemon, verses 15 and 16. Very plainly, he says, For perhaps he, Onesima departed for a while for this purpose. There are real no accidents with God. This runaway slave was not an accident because God had a bigger plan. That you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave but as a but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord see sometimes we, we think we think things that are wrong in our life that should not have happened if it has happened for an express purpose that, that God wants us to meet people that we would not have met unless those things happened to us so i don 't see life as a series of of random acts that just happen to you. But they're there for you to respond in a way that gives grace and honor to God. Doesn't mean they're always enjoyable, but they're always there for a purpose. Isn't that what Romans 8:28 is all about? And we know that God causes all things to work together for what? Good. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And in that verse he's not saying that everything that happens in your life is good, but it can be used for good. And Onesimus leaving Philemon, it ended up being good. Paul being in prison ended up being good because this connection brought someone into eternal faith. No, everything has a purpose. And then fourthly, be as forgiving as you have been forgiven. Again, the word forgiveness is never used, but it's throughout this, this postcard. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owe anything, put that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay, and this is what I think is so funny, not to mention to you that you are owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. How do we forgive people? By realizing that your debt has been paid in full. See, he appealed to Philemon because he he knew Philemon owed him more than anything that Onesimus owed Philemon. And and when we forgive others, the reason we're able to forgive others is because someone much greater than, than, than we are forgave us for so much greater than anyone could ever wrong us. Our sin is worthy of eternal judgment. And for most of us, the sins against us are maybe minor, maybe even major irritation. But compared to what we've done before a holy God who forgave us everything, are we willing to forgive those who have wronged us? What's the challenge this morning? Are are we up to the challenge to be the people God wants us to be? And the action point is, if, if we want to have an effective faith, an energized faith, if we want to be a people that see the purpose in everything that comes in our life, if we want to be a forgiving people, it's all for the purpose that we might represent Jesus well. And to represent Jesus well, we want to be people who reach out to our relational world. In a moment, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to have our elders come up to the front. And we're going to invite you, if health permits, to to come by the foot of the cross. And, and hand one of, the cards, one of your cards to the, to the elders, and, and they're going to nail it to the cross. And then we're going to have three or four elders over here, and, and they are there to pray with you and for you. And, and what I want you to is simply introduce yourself. I'm sure they all know every one of your names, but just in case, you know, if I, in the first service, I had my brother pray for me, and he couldn't even remember my name, so I, so I told him, my name is Mike, and, and then Steve prayed for me. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, if you'd like, is to come forward, bring your oikos card to the foot of the cross, they're going to nail it to the cross, and then the, the elders are just going to give you a sentence prayer, a blessing. You know, may, may Megan be blessed in reaching out to her oikos, and each one of us can get prayer this morning. So, a little unusual, but it's a blessing to be prayed not only with, but for uh, your, your walk with God. As we seek out to be effective in our faith and be bold in our oikos, let's pray together. Dear Lord, I just really pray for each one here, and maybe there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, and they're just on that investigative side of of knowing you in a personal way. Might they know that this is the most important commitment in all of life to To make—to a—to admit their need and turn from their sin to believe that Jesus died fully on the cross for their sins and rose again, and see to to commit to follow Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior. But Father, if we know you in a personal way, we, we want to be that channel by which other people see and hear about the love of Christ. Those people in our oikos, our relational world. Now as we put this at the foot of the cross and have it nailed to the cross and receive prayer, might we become more effective in our faith as we live it out.